Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. So, let us get into the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 29th to the 1st of December. At number 10, we've got the CBP's Christmas show, which is an event, a cinema thingy-bob. Um, <laughs> at number nine, we've got Procedure, still doing its thing in the top ten. At number eight, we've got Joker. At number seven, we've got 21 Bridges. At number six, La Man 66, aka Ford v Ferrari. At number five, it's the Charlie's Angels reboot. At number four, Blue Story. At number three, we've got Last Christmas. At number two, still carving things up, it's Knives Out. And obviously, at number one, causing a bit of a blizzard, is Frozen 2. So, just one review this week, and just thoughts on something else. So let us get into the episode. Okay, so I have just come out of a screening of Invasion Planet Earth. This is a new film from Simon Cox. He directed it. He uh, co-wrote the film, uh, produced the film, supervised the special effects. He was all in on it. Um, Simon Bovey wrote the film alongside him. And it is starring Simon Haycock, Lucy Drive, Juliet Holt, Danny Steele, and Sophie Anderson. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. After the death of his young daughter, Tom Dunn is a broken man. When his wife falls pregnant again, he cannot believe their luck. However, his joy is short-lived, as on the very same day, the people of Earth become plagued with terrifying visions of the end of the world. When a gigantic, all-consuming alien mothership appears in the sky and launches a ruthless attack on Earth's cities, chaos and destruction follow. Tom must find the strength and wisdom to save his wife and unborn child. However, first he must confront a shocking truth, a truth which threatens the key to the survival of the human race. The ultimate war for planet Earth is about to begin. Now that sounds like a film, right? That Definitely sounds like something that is going to get you feeling and just energized. So, um, yeah, like the film starts, uh, 
we we, we kind of see like this old this kind of like a buck rushes thing and then you know we realize right this is a tv show and we've got these two kids watching it okay um and those two kids happen um happen to be a young tom and freddy uh so yeah they they're watching this show um like kaleidoscope man they love this show they want to be kaleidoscope man it really influences them and that influence we see how it has affected their lives so yeah it's it starts there um we then see some interaction with their dad which all seems very ominous then we cut to the modern day you know what i mean the current time and you you kind of yeah, you, you feel there's something going on. Then we realise that, um, you know, there's been some tragedy. You know, as mentioned in the blurb, you know, Tom had a kid. They lost that kid. And so, you know, he his wife, Mandy, tells him, you know, to, like, cheer him up. Look, you're having a baby. We're having a baby. And so we have all of this, and then we kind of go into Tom being at work, Mandy being at work, and we just see all of this stuff, and the film kind of goes from there, basically. Um, I think it's... Uh, it's you know, I, I think a big issue with this film... Okay, is I I think a lot of the characterization. There's there's problems with the characterization. There's problems with the script. Um, you know, with the acting. There there's a lot going on, um, and the story becomes a bit convoluted. You know, like. If we take away all of the the issues, there is something there. But, you know, like, first of all, like, wh- when we have Tom talking to his wife, he, he's got this big meeting and he's, he, you know, he's, he's a bit, you can see he's kind of frantic. He's a bit worried about all of this. And she's trying to be like, yo, go to work, go to work. Everything will be fine. It'll be great. You'll be good. And uh, he he's a bit like, uh, oh, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm worried. I'm worried. And he says, I just don't want to have the wind ripped from beneath my sails again. And I think it was just that line was just like, what? Like, no one says that. It, it was really weird. We we have a lot of dialogue that 
just isn't really said. You know, like, you might read it in a, in a hammy novel, you know, but, like, in modern day, people don't really speak like that. And if they do, like, you're, you'd be mocked for it, you know? Because it's just like, look, I've said some, like, weird shit, like, some odd phrases you know, in my time, and the person you're with's like, huh? You're like, ah, shut the fuck off. It's what I say, man. Like, you know what I mean when I say that. But that would be the interaction. But in this, like, Mandy's wife is just like, oh, don't worry. Everything will be, and you just be like, ah, no, there'd be more. There'd be more to that interaction. You know what I mean? That that line isn't just getting dropped and left like that. But this is the film. Like, there's a lot of false dialogue. Which is just... It really messes with the flow of things. Because nothing... It just doesn't feel real. You know, we have a lot of interactions and nothing really feels like it, it's natural, everything feels forced, you know, and so we kind of get these wooden performances from people, you know, it's all very stilted, which is a shame, you know, it, it, like it seems a really big shame, we, we have these other things going on as well, like there's just this bit in school, because Mandy's a teacher. Do so we have this whole bit in school? And the, the interaction between her and the kids is just a bit like, wait, but you wouldn't talk to the kids like that. And again, it's like we see Tom at work. And he's talking with these patients. And again, you're just like, wait. People wouldn't talk to the patients like that. It's all very odd. It really is all very odd. Like, what I think when you watch it, you get the sense of, like, this seems like it's something in the 60s, you know? I think if it had been, like, dated to a different period... It would have worked more You know, if they'd made the film Be like, yeah, 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 yeah Alright, we're going to base it in the 50s Base it in the 60s Boom The script would have worked a bit more With that time period Because it just doesn't Doesn't feel modern Really doesn't feel modern at all So we then have like this the whole alien situation happening and we have the characters like some of the main characters are like something happens with them but what we then find this whole sequence this like uh, it must have been like at least 20 minute sequence all pretty pointless like, it really doesn't, it just doesn't work. It doesn't mean anything. 
is it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, it is kind of superfluous to the story itself. Which is just a bit, you just wonder, you're left wondering, like, why did we have this? Like, what does this, what was the purpose? Because it's not impacting the film itself here, which is all very, very odd, you know? There was um, a, a, a bit that just makes you scratch your head a little. Because this is a sci-fi film, okay? So there's a sci-fi film and, the, you know, so there's a big space station. There's the, the space station in the sky, you know? So I think we kind of get the opinion it's something equivalent to the International Space Station that, you know, everyone uses, so we have this, and you hear, like, people on the ground talking to people on the station. And they're like, what can you see? Tell us what you see from up there. We need to know so we can work out what's happening to us. And you'd think, right, there'd be, you know, telescopes and stuff, so they're sitting on the bridge, and they're observing on the big screen, no, they go and look out the window, which, you're, you're kind of scratch, you're scratching your head, because you're like, you're on a space station, you have technology, right, you have technology, why are you looking out a window? Like, that's not going to help you. That's really, like, you want to, if you want to know what's going on, you need the magnification, you need, but yeah, we do, it's just, I think that kind of sums a lot up, because it's like, the, the idea of technology you know, and what technology can give you, that is a key part of a sci-fi film, you know, the fact that, okay, we can do this, we're thinking this is, like, some part in the future, so they will, will have this sort of technology, these advances, you need to be able to be creative, you need to have the vision to think, okay, so what is there, right, and when that falls flat, you, your film falls flat, because then this idea that it's this big sci-fi adventure, it's not there anymore, you know, so, so you lose that, and that's one thing that kind of happens here. You know, there's, there's just this, a lot of stuff that is thrown in, which doesn't make any sense. Like, they find guns in the oddest place that makes no sense for the guns to be there. You know? Like, there's this scene in a church with the, the priest giving this huge kind of... It's meant to be that rousing speech, that, that call to humanity. But when, 
Like all these the, the things that have happened Make no sense to the speech Because then in the speech It's all like We need to put race aside And we need to put And you're just like But that hasn't come up in the fi- There's no talk of race in the film There's no racial tone to the film Like why are you tacking on these buzzwords To, to try and make this speech poignant Like it, it doesn't it doesn't work And I, I, I think that's The problem here there, There's too many ideas And faults That have tried to be crammed into the, This You know, like It's an hour and 40 minutes Something like that You know like it's, it's 98 minutes to film, okay? 98 minutes. And and they're trying to fit way too much into it. You know, like the, the idea of freeing yourself from fear, freeing yourself from, like, afflictions that are holding you back. Like, I think... Being open to others saving you, you know, like they're, they're all these kind of themes that are running through the film, but they're all try. It's like they're vying for um, you know space, but there's you know, everything smothers itself, and and that's a problem. You know, like. I think it would have worked more if, because as I said, look, there are some, you know, there's some things in here that you think that could have worked. Like, and if they had just gone with us one kind of thread, one thread, it would have had the space to breathe and form. And I think the film would have been more, more coherent. Because as it is, we then have, like, the revelation. You know, this big revelation that, oh, this is the thing. This is what is meant to be happening. Which doesn't make any, like, the whole realisation seems a big stretch, a big stretch to get to this place, and it's like, oh. and then suddenly the brother, the you know, Freddie, finally appears again. Like we don't see Freddie from being a little kid, yo. Know, so now he suddenly appears in the last probably ten minutes of the film, which is just like, wait, what? And. It, yeah, it just, yeah, I don't know, man, I don't know, like, the last, one of the last scenes of the film, again, makes no sense, like, makes no sense for what we have seen, and also from what the person was wearing the last time we saw the person, you know, it, it's just, a, it was an odd, a very odd thing to do. 
And the, so the film finishes and you think, okay, all right. And then we are given a new song from Toya Wilcox that, oh, I just, it, it doesn't, the song doesn't work. The song doesn't work, but I will say it does fit the sentiment of the film. It really does. Ah, uh, I mean, look, you you have to commend Simon and everyone involved because you know this film essentially like it, it it's taken seventeen years to bring about like ten years of. You know, just pre-production and everything like that. And then, you know, seven years of actually filming scenes. Two more years. Actually, yeah, 19. Two more years of post-production. So, it's been a toil. Right? So, look, I give them props for, for... Finishing this off and sticking with it, but the you know the film boasts over a hundred producers, and I'm sure a lot of that was because of you know people that funded through the crowdsourcing and you know the kickstarters and all of that. But yeah, you kind of feel like. Maybe too many people had an input into the story. And, you know, and also that... Because, you know, Simon, Simon Cox, he he's listed on so much of the film, being involved with so much of the film. And that could have been problematic. You know, that I, I think that could have, you know, just given him... Too much oversight He was too much involved To the point where he couldn't see Some of the flaws In the production I mean the name The name of the film doesn't make sense When you finish watching the film You know so uh, Like yeah You want to like it You really want to like it like it does feel I mean people in the UK will understand this But like one of those BBC afternoon films You know films that would show at 5pm You know Like stuff that was shot Basically shot for TV One of those films with these kind of, And they're trying to put Force all this messaging into it And it doesn't quite work, but there's a little bit of charm to it, you know. That's what it really feels like. So one of those films, you know. Um, but people, look, if you if you like your indie material, you know, if you like that, if you liked. Um, Oh, like the L. Ron Hubbard film, 
you know, um, yeah, you know the one with uh, John Travolta and yeah. If if you like that film, I think this is you. I think this will make you smile. You'll see the charm in this film. Okay, if you like shows like Earth Two. That weird Steven Spielberg produced show of the 90s. If you like things like that. If you like sliders. You know, if you like those kind of TV shows. I think this will resonate with you. I I think you will. Yeah, you, you will feel the charm in this. Okay. So. You will be able to see it very shortly. It will hit cinemas tomorrow, Friday the 5th of December. Um, And then it will be available for digital download on the 16th of December. Okay? So, yeah. They are your, um, yeah, your, 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 your times to go check this out. You know, so if if you enjoy any of the actors in it, if you've seen like Simon Cox's other work and you've enjoyed that, hey, this is your time to support people. So if you like indie sci-fi, yeah, maybe go see Invasion Planet Earth on Friday the fifth, or grab it on Monday the sixteenth of December. You know. Maybe pick it up as a Christmas present for someone. I don't know. It's up to you people. But yes, Invasion Planet Earth, it will be out shortly. So the BFI put on these member events every, um, I don't know. Like every now and again, I don't know if there's a a schedule to it. Um, But yeah, they put on these members events. And... um, the other day, so that you know, it was their kind of Christmas thing. So in the foyer, there's like mince pies and music, film quizzes, and all of this kind of stuff. And then later on, they were showing Home Alone. So me and a few friends were just like, "Why not? Let's go see Home Alone." I haven't seen that film. Gosh. I I feel I would have, I must have been like 12, something crazy like that, you know what I mean, it's been a long ass time, because this shit comes on TV, but it's one of those ones where you notice it, and the film's already started, you know, it's already 20 minutes in, or something like that, so you just think, ah, I'll check it out another time, so yeah, I haven't seen it in ages, I'd forgotten it was a John Hughes film. You know, I'd, I'd forgotten it was a John Hughes film. I'd forgotten John Candy was in it. It was just... It was just crazy. Like, all of this stuff that you just forget. Like, I'd forgotten, like... I love the plot. There's things I think I'd thought happened in the film. And then you realise... Oh, no. that I just made that up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it was weird, there's, I didn't, like, at the very beginning, I was a bit like, ah, 
Macaulay Culkin really hammed it up a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like when you put he's he's delivery against everyone else. Everyone else was kind of natural, and he was delivering his lines in a certain kind of way that was kind of like. You know what I mean? A little bit obvious, a little bit breaking the fourth wall, that kind of thing. And I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. But as soon as the parents left, then I was just, I couldn't stop laughing. It was funny. And, um... Yeah, I, I just, yeah, it was just hilarious. I'm watching the film as well because I... D- I recently, you know, I saw The Irishman at the London Film Festival. Uh, and obviously Pesci was in that. And so I'm watching Home Alone and I'm just like, I recognise that guy's voice. That's not Joe Pesci, though. It's Joe Pesci. Like, yeah, Joe Pesci's old. And I, I, I couldn't get the thought of... Like recently seeing Joe Pesci and how old he is now and how small he is compared to Pesci here. He's like young, he's bigger. You know what I mean? It's just like, and in my head, I'm just like, oh no, that can't be. Who is that though? I recognize the voice. And when when we were leaving, I was just like, I recognize the dude's voice, but I couldn't. She, my friend was like, "It's Joe Pesci." I'm like, "No," and she's just like, "Yeah." I had to. I had to second guess myself as well. And she came to see the um, Irishman with me, and so that was fun. And I said to them, my friends, I was just like, "Yo," at the beginning, I wasn't quite sure. But then it got funny, and everyone's like, "Yeah, when people started to um, hurt themselves, then you were laughing." And I'm like, "Ah, well, ah. yeah, you got me. You got me. That's when it got funny." I was just like, "When Pesci's hair gets burned off, oh man, it's funny as hell." But god damn it. I don't know, how many takes did that shit take? I mean, obviously, they probably didn't burn his head, but did they? I don't know. Some crazy-ass shit. But, yeah, funny, man. I, I just, yeah, loved, the, loved the, the the second half of the film when he's ho- actually home alone and um, causing all sort of havoc. But that was a fun, and it's a nice little Christmas film, you know? Nice little Christmas film. I think I enjoyed the second one. I do, but in my head, I think there was a third and a fourth, possibly with McCulkin's brother. I don't know if I made that up or not. But yeah, ha. Huh. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, this this wasn't really a review. It was just more. Um, yeah, I went to see Home Alone people <laughs> Starting that Christmas shit But I hate Christmas Ugh, I really hate Christmas But anyway, anyway um, Yes, let's end this shit, right? Okay, people So, we are drawing to the end of another episode So let's hit with a little bit of film news Before we bounce Alright, so, um, 
<sighs> they, as we all know, they they are making a Venom two, which is currently filming. Um. And it's going to be released, uh, I think, towards the end of next year, 2020. Well, um, Matt Tolmack, the producer of the film, uh, recently did an interview talking about, you know, things that people will see in this new film. And he has said that there will be more interplay between Tom... Hardy's Eddie Brock and the symbiote itself so he said fans love that relationship what people say all the time is the relationship between Eddie and Venom is I just want to spend more time with those guys and that's such a testament to Tom Hardy who obviously played both parts it's similar to and I'm not just trying to bring back to Jumanji but it's the characters it's the thing you want to hear when you launch a franchise is that what works is the heart of the movie in the heart of the movie was always the relationship between Eddie and Venom these two characters these two sides that had to figure out how to live together and that were somehow better together than they were separately or more successful and what that meant yay (laughs) I hated Venom man but people loved it obviously so you know, it's gonna be dropping towards the end of 2020. So you got that to look forward to. A film I wasn't expecting is, um, yeah, it's gonna be coming. 20th Century Fox and Disney have um, supposedly hired Wes Ball, uh, who people will know from Maze Runner fame, to develop a new film in the Planet of the Apes franchise. Yeah, I know. Kinda, I figured it was done. Um, you know, because I thought the last film, um, which was, I don't know, I forget what the last one, um, was it Rise? Uh, no, War. War of the Planet of the Apes. I thought that film, led us up to where the original film started but yeah maybe i'm wrong but um yeah it's you know in the early stages of development and yeah they they're trying to work out if it will be a remake or if it will continue from where war left off um yeah I so I you know I guess yeah they're gonna yeah maybe they will just remake the original films so then you know what I mean so then it fits within the feel and tone of these new iterations but uh I'm sure we will find out at some point soon. Um, in some more Disney news, 
Jack, jo- sorry, Joe Johnson is going to um, reboot one of his original films, and that is the 1989 Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's funny, I in my head, I always thought it was a Robert Zumacher's film, but no, it was Joe, uh, Joe Johnson. Um, yeah, so... It's, um, I think the film is a direct, um, something that's going directly to Disney Plus, and it's going to be starring Josh Gad as the son of, um, Rick Bramanis' character. So, it's meant to be set 30 years on, um, it says Nick Salinsky repeats the problems of his father's past and accidentally shrinks his kids and must find a way to fix the problem. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Well, yeah, I guess uh, we will see what happens with that. Hmm. I don't know. It just sounds like it's just basically a remake, but... Alright, whatever. Anyway, um, the New York Film Critics Circle have um, just announced uh, their award winners. And, um, yeah, we, we, we had a lot of films that I think everyone suspected would be, you know, amongst the awards... So, The Irishman was named their best film of 2019. Uh, Joe Pesci won um, Best Supporting Actor. Antonio Banderas won Best Actor for his role in Pain and Glory. Lapita Nungungu won Best Actress for her performance in Us. Benny and Josh Safidi won Best Directors for Uncut Gems. Laura Dern won Best Supporting Actress for Marriage Story and Little Women. Um, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won Best Script. Parasite won Best Foreign Language Film. Portrait of a Lady on Fire won Best Cinematography. Um, I Lost My Body won Best Animated Film. And Honeyland won Best Documentary. Okay, people. So, um, yeah, that's it for another episode. We'll catch you again next Thursday. Peace.